He is risen indeed. Please take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to speak to you today on the subject, the power of hope. The power of hope. Next week, we will continue our Paint the Town series that we began last week. But today, I I want us to talk about the power of the resurrection. I, I want us to talk about the power of hope, the power of Easter. You know, hope is very much a biblical word, but that word hope has been hijacked by our culture today. Like so many words that come from the Bible that are, are Christian words that, that, that our society has taken and, and hijacked, they've done so with this word hope. I mean, think about it. We, we use this word hope so flippantly, don't we? We, we say, I, I hope one day to be rich. I hope one day to be famous. I hope one day that my cat will run away from home. I, I hope one day that the University of Tennessee will, will win the national championship. And you say, you say, Pastor, that's not hope, that's delusional. Some of you right now are saying, I hope this message doesn't take too long. Now that's delusional. This, this is the service I've been waiting for. I'm unleashing on you. This is the third service. I've been holding back, and now we're ready to unleash. So for the next three hours, we're going to be, no... We will be talking for just a few moments on this message of hope. Please stand in the honor of reading God's word. First Peter chapter 1, begin reading in verse number 3. Thus saith the Lord, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven For you, thus saith the Lord, the word of the Lord God. Father, we thank you for this word. Now, Father, I I ask and I pray that it will penetrate our hearts. Speak to us today. May we be forever changed because of this word from you. We ask this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, please be seated. The question that the world is asking today is, is there any hope? Is there any hope? And I don't know about you, but as I look at the world today, I see a troubled world, a a world that is more troubled today than I think it has ever been. Our nation is more divided racially and culturally than it has ever been before. When we look around the world, we, we see the war on terrorism. What just happened in Brussels? What happened a few months ago in, in Paris, France? And we see all these terrorists stalking the planet. Lawlessness is is everywhere and immorality is increasing. And it seems that in the battle for right and wrong, that wrong seems to win. And on a personal level, you and I, we are more stressed out than ever. We're more anxious than ever. More despair, we're we're defeated. There's this sense of, of, of deflation. And in this political season, we hear, we hear these politicians promising this pie in the sky, don't we? These politicians who are promising hope, the desire, the longing that, that look, if you elect me, then, then all of these things, all of these bad things will go away. All will become better. The hope and the promise of a brighter future. But is this the hope that we read about in the Bible? This pie in the sky, this, 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 this promise of something better? 
this promise of something brighter, this blind optimism that I hope so, I, I think so, I, I wish to be so, maybe so, something more? Well, no. Biblical hope is much more than that. We have something much better than blind optimism. We have hope in Christ. Peter says we have living hope in Christ. We have a Christian hope, a, a living hope. The Bible calls it the blessed hope. Hope that is like an anchor that, that, that secures our, our heart and our emotions that even in the storms of life, we can be unmovable and unshakable in Christ. I want to speak to you today on the power of hope. Three things we see quickly. Number one, what is the power of this hope? Well, it's the promise of a brand new day. It's the promise of a brand new day. After Jesus was crucified, Satan thought he won, but ultimately God had the victory. Three days after the crucifixion on the Jewish calendar, when Jesus was crucified on Passover, three days later, on the first day of the week, Easter Sunday morning, Jesus arose. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 gives us a clear detail as to what happened. We just read it. We are born again. We are born again to the living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter says we are born again. Jesus used these same words, did he not, when he was speaking to that old preacher, Nicodemus. Early in the ministry of Jesus, this old man, this old preacher, comes to Jesus by night and he asks Jesus, what must a man do to be saved? And Jesus uttered those words, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Jesus said, this life in me, Nicodemus. This transformation that I offer is so radical, it is so revolutionary that it requires you not to be simply born, but you must be born all over again. Peter tells us that we are born again into the living hope. Why? Because of the power of the forgiveness that we find at the cross and the power of redemption, the, the power of the resurrection. Over the years, I've preached many, many, many Easter sermons. Almost 20 years now I've preached on Easter Sunday. From the time I was a 17-year-old boy, I preached my first message. I still remember that first message. I, I took it, I literally took it from Billy Graham. I was watching Billy Graham, and I was so scared that I was about to preach, and I didn't know what to preach, didn't know how to preach. And my first message, I, that was back on VHS. You, you kids, you don't know what VHS is, but VHS, you would record it, and, and then, you know, you would rewind it and hit play. And I, I would do that over and over, and I wrote down every single word of that Billy Graham sermon. And I went in, and I, I preached to, I think it was like seven people. And I stood there, and I read the sermon but then when I gave the invitation, a handful came to know Christ. Can I tell you from that day until this day, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ has been very real. Been very real. And I can tell you that through all of these years preaching on resurrection day, I believe more in it today than I ever have the power of Jesus. 
the message of the resurrection, breaking through the darkness. It's, it's like bursts of sunlight in the lives of men and women who were once disillusioned by defeat, discouraged in hopelessness of their own human condition that a 17-year-old boy can read a sermon that he didn't even prepare for and they still get saved. How does that happen? It's the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. People, people facing, there's a lot of people today facing a hopeless end rather than enjoying an endless hope in Jesus Christ. So many people today are facing a hopeless end, but what you should be doing is enjoying an endless hope in Christ. I'm telling you that I've seen over the years men and women who were broken, damaged by the power of sin. They were empty. They were wasted. They, 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 their, their lives were wasted away. Life was senseless. It was meaningless. And I've watched them give their hearts to Jesus Christ and everything be transformed. New hope, new future, new life. It's hope that dawns in the heart that, that when, you, when you come to the place in your life, when you realize that you cannot earn salvation yourself, you, you lay it down. It's the promise of a new day. Your old days are now behind you. The one thing that you cannot do within the power, within your ability, you cannot rewrite your past. You can't change your past. But dear friend, your future can be completely changed by what you choose this very day. It's the power of a new day. It's the power of a new day. It's the hope that, that Jesus Christ brings is the promise of a new day. It's also the promise of a new dynamic, a new dynamic for living. Because you see, as Christians, if you are a, a Christian today, the, the power of Jesus, the power of the resurrection now lives inside of you. Easter, Easter means that even in our darkest days, in our longest nights, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have a new power, we have a new hope, we have a new strength, courage today. We have courage today to win life's battles, to overcome in every situation. It's the power, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in us. Now, may I remind you of the man who wrote these words? His name was Peter. Peter, the, one of the disciples of Jesus. Simon, Peter, he, he walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He, he went all the way to the end. And then Peter lied. And Jesus died. Peter was so broken. In fact, Peter says, the, the John's gospel tells us that Peter was so broken over his lies that when he denied Christ three times that he actually left Jerusalem. He went back up to his hometown in Galilee and he went back to fish. He, he left his life of Jesus behind. He was so frustrated and so down on himself that he left all of the Jesus behind and he tried to pursue his old life and he couldn't even do that right. Jesus appears to him in the power of the resurrection. Peter recognizes it's the risen Lord. And what does Jesus do? Does Jesus beat him up because of his sin? Does Jesus beat him up because of, of Peter's falls? Absolutely not. Jesus restored him. 
Here's this man who at once had a yellow streak running down his back when he faced the enemies of Christ. He denied the Lord. But now, after the resurrection, he stood boldly proclaiming the message of Jesus. On the day of Pentecost, thousands of people were saved. I'm here to tell you this message. Friend, there is no failure. There is no sin. There is no shame. There is no issue. There is no grief in our lives that Jesus won't forgive. Turn to him. Experience this new dynamic of life. Maybe today you've come here to this place looking at your life, being introspective. That's a good thing. Looking at the course of your life. And you're looking at your life and you're looking at your family and you're trying to make sense of all of it. I'm telling you today, there is hope. Don't turn your back. Don't give up. As I'm speaking to the Christians right now, the dynamic that he has given to you is meant to be used by you. Don't you realize that he saved you and filled you, not for you to sit on the sideline? No, he saved you, he filled you in order to use you. He didn't, say, he didn't die on the cross so that, so that we, we, we don't worship him. He didn't die on the cross so that we wouldn't serve him. He died on the cross in order for us to come to be his children and then to be used by him. Can I tell you right now that Aloma Church needs you more than ever connected and plugged in and involved? We are, we are on a course. We are on a path. We, we are walking toward a very clear direction, and the Lord is leading us down this direction, and, and he is leading us to reach this community and this city for Christ. Our mission, our passion, our direction, our focus is to reach every child in this community. Children who, who have special needs, to those children who are coming from broken homes, to those children that, that are a part of a nuclear family, that, that have mom and dad there. Our desire is to reach out with one hand to the homeless while reaching out with the other hand to the homeowner in the community, our neighbor right behind us who's lived in the same house for decades. Our desire is to reach out with one hand to, to help the single mom and then to reach out with the other hand to, to the mother and the father who have three children at home to minister to the saint and to the sinner to reach this community and to reach this city with the hope of Christ. That's our vision. That's our desire. And dear friend, I would love nothing more but for you to join with us in this quest to see this city turned upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that when you join us, you will bring a new, fresh dynamic and you will be able to function and to serve in a way that God has created only you to do. Join us. Your family, join in our family. As we go together, as we go together, shining the light and sharing the hope, hand in hand, walking with Christ. Thirdly, the power of hope is the promise of a new day promise of a new dynamic, and it's also finally the promise of a new destiny, a brand new destiny. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, 4, we just read it, he says that to an inheritance that is incorruptible, that is undefiled, that is unfading, that is reserved in heaven for you. The ultimate and the final question of Easter Sunday 
Easter Sunday answers this age-old question, what happens at death? What happens at death? The final question of life is answered by Resurrection Sunday. You see, what Jesus does is he takes the sting out of death. Oh, hell, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You see, the resurrection takes the questions out of death. If you go to a cemetery, a graveyard, and you look around, you see all kinds of things, the tombstones, the markers. And when you look at these markers, you, you see that they're different sizes. Some are simple, some are, are massive, some are ornate, some uh, were, were, were donated, some were given by uh, the federal government, some are, are uh, you can tell, were, were, were you, a lot of money went to buy these things. As you look at these gravestones, you will notice several other things. One, there's a name there. And then when you notice the name, you'll also see that there's a birth date and then a death date. As I look at a tombstone, as I look at a grave marker, one thing that becomes true for me, I don't know if this is for you, but it's a sobering reminder of how short life is and how sure death is. The other thing that we have to understand, the reality is that you can't choose that first date, can you? You can't choose your birth date. And you have actually very little say, you probably didn't choose your name unless you change your name later in life. You have very little to say about your birthday, you have very little to say about your name, and you have no choice where you're born. You have little, if anything, to say about the date of your death. But there's one more thing on that marker that I want you to notice that often goes overlooked, something we haven't mentioned yet. Engraved there between your birth date and your death date is that little line, that dash, that insignificant line. And it's in that line, it's in that dash. You know, you you can't really say much about your death date. You can't really say much about your birth date. But friend, you have a lot to say about that little insignificant dash, that often forgotten line. You see, that's where life is found. I can learn very little about you, about your birth date. I can learn very little about you, about the, the day that a person dies. What we are defined by is how we live our life. Not how we were born, not how we died, but, but how we lived our life. You know, I've, I've been at the, the bedside of, of many people through the years that, that were sick in the hospital or in hospice and, and was praying with them and talking with them and they were promoted to glory. And can I tell you that of all these times that I've been a part of this, never once, Never once have I heard someone say, you know, I I wish I would have put more hours in at work. You know, I wish I I would have done that overtime more. (laughs) No. I wish I would have made more money. Never heard that. But you know what I often hear? Pastor, I, I sure wish I would have served Jesus more. Pastor, I sure wish I had my time back so I could spend more time with my spouse, with my kids. Because you see, when we come to the end of our life, it's too late. You you can't hit reset. 
you can't hit redo. The birth date and the death date, those are set in eternity. What you have control over, though, is that dash. What you do have control over is your life and your life right now. So let me ask you a question. Why not live today? And that's my prayer for you this Easter Sunday. That you will experience life and, and experience life to the fullest. Warren Wearsby once wrote concerning hope, he said, hope is not a sedative. It is a shot of adrenaline, a blood transfusion. Hope doesn't put us in a rocking chair waiting for the second coming. No, hope makes us alive and active, loving God and loving people that Jesus loves. Friend, this is the life that God has given to all of us. All of us have the, the ability to live this life. But one thing I've noticed is that so many people die with their miracle, with their song still in them. So many people die with this God-given miracle. You see, friend, God created you with a specific purpose in mind. Created you to do something that no one else can do. When he created you, he broke the mold. There is not another person like you. How awesome is God? You say, well, I, I'm too short. No, you're not. You're just the right height that God wanted you to be. I'm not tall enough. I don't have enough hair. I, I, I should have been this. I should have been that. Listen, God created you exactly how you need to be. And he created you with a purpose in mind. It is our job. It is our destiny to, to find, to discover that purpose, and then to live in it. But I see so many people dying, saying, I, well, one day I'll give my heart to Jesus. One day I will commit and I will go forward in a church service and, and commit my life. God's called me to preach. God's called me to preach. Young man, God may be calling you to preach. And you say, well, one day I, I, I'll go forward. You know, God's calling me to be saved. One day I'll get my life right and, and, and I'll go forward and, and get saved. One day I'll follow the Lord to the mission field. One day I will give what he's told me to give. One day I'll serve the way he told me to serve. And one day turns into 10 days. 10 days turn into years. Years turn into decades. And you come to the end of your life and you die with your blessing still in you. You die with your song still in you. Live your life, friend. Live your life today as if it were your last. Live with no regrets. This is your life right now, this moment. Don't waste it. Live in the power of God. Seize the day. Seize the opportunity. Life matters. Can I tell you that what you do with Jesus right now will determine how you will live for all of eternity? I'm going to say that again. What you do with Jesus right now will determine, will determine how you will live for all of eternity. You know, there's a lot of people that, that have a full life, but very, full, very few people have a fulfilling life. I see so many people, they're, they're, they're full their plates are full, their calendar is full, their, their life is full, but very few of them have a fulfilling life. Maybe your life is full of stuff, full of activity, full of career, family, going here and going there, and your life is so full. 
you're rushing and you're pushing through and you feel the stress, you feel the anxiety, your life is so full. But a full life isn't what matters. Can I ask you, is your life fulfilling? Friends, to know Christ, to experience the hope of the power of the resurrection, that's where you find a fulfilling life. And let me tell you right now what your family needs. Your family doesn't need you to put another hour into your job. What your family needs is for you fully and forever alive in Christ. What your office needs is for you to be forever and fully alive in Christ. What your children, what your friends need is for you fully and forever alive in Christ. This is the hope that we have in him. As we've already said, no matter what failure, no, no matter your sin, no matter your habits, no matter your hang-ups or your, your hurts, hope in Jesus is never lost. 2,000 years ago, at that cross, it seemed as if all hope was lost. The devil was raging against the souls of men. We could not beat him down. We could not beat him back. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus took the powerful cross. And because of the resurrection, he knocked that old devil down and out. And now because of that, we have strength and power forever to overcome in the dawn of a new day. A new dynamic, a new destiny. Don't you realize, don't you see the importance of what God has done for all of us there on that cross and that empty tomb? Hope. That's where hope is found. Our hope is not a dead hope. Peter says it's a living hope. My pastor, Jack Graham, I've heard him for years share this acrostic of hope. He takes the word hope and he, he shares with us how it is that a person can be saved through hope. You see, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hope, how is it that we're saved by hope? You take that letter H and you say, H stands for humble yourself. That's where it begins. Salvation begins by humbling oneself. Do you know why so many people today don't have hope? Because they're hoping in themselves. They're hoping in the wrong things. They, they truly think that, that if I work hard enough or if I am good enough, if I do one more good thing than I do bad things, then God will let me into heaven. That's not humility, that's pride. If you think that you can do anything to earn heaven, that's prideful. That's prideful. You think that you can earn heaven? It's what we said two weeks ago. If, if, if we could be saved by any other way but through the cross and the tomb, then the cross was the most colossal, the greatest mistake in human history. Don't you think that God would have chosen any other way but sending his son to die on that cross? Of course he would have. But friend, there is no other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through him, period. Period. Humble ourselves. Can I tell you that I have spoken to literally thousands of people, shared the faith thousands of times. And as I talk with people, I, I, I hear something that's a reoccurring theme. If I asked you today, when did you become a Christian? 
How would you answer that question? Answer that question in your heart right now. You know, when I ask people that question, one of the answers that I hear quite often is, well, you know, Wesley, I've always been a Christian. I was raised in a Christian home. I I was raised in church, and I've always been a Christian. Can I tell you that I know that in this room right now that there are some who would say the same thing. I've always been a Christian. But let me ask you something. Do you think that standing in a garage makes you a car? Just because you can climb a tree, does that make you a monkey? No. Friend, just because you go to church does not make you a Christian. You can be born, and you can be born a Hindu. You can be born a Buddhist. You can be born a Muslim. You can be born an atheist, but you cannot be born a Christian. You can be born in a Christian home, and we thank God for that. But you cannot be born a Christian. Jesus said, we've already dealt with this, right? Jesus said to that old preacher, Nicodemus, it's not enough to be born. You must be what? Born again. The only way you can be born again is to realize, I cannot earn heaven. Take the pride away. You you realize that pride is the number one sin that keeps people from heaven? Because we think that we can earn it. We think that we can do it ourselves, that I can do enough good things, and surely God's not going to send a good person to hell. I just do enough good things. Pride. Pride. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The O stands for open your heart. Open your heart. A-H is humble yourself. O is open your heart. Jesus right now, as he's did in the 815 service and the 930 service, where people gave their life to the Lord right now, right here in this service, Jesus is knocking at your heart's door. It is your responsibility. He's done everything. The, The price has been paid. The gift has been purchased. All you have to do is receive it. How cool is our God? How awesome is our God? How simple, how much more simple could it be? You don't have to do anything. Christianity is not do and do and do and do. Christianity is, it's done. At the cross and the empty tomb, what Jesus did, it's done. By faith, open the door and let Jesus come in your life. Receive him. John 1, 12 says, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called a child of God. Open your heart. Won't you today open your heart to the one who opened that tomb 2,000 years ago? The P stands for profess your faith. Confess Jesus. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Confess him. Profess him. Jesus said that if you profess me before uh, men, I will profess you before my Father who is in heaven. Receive him. Confess him. And then the E stands for embrace your future. You can't change your past. Your past is your past. But dear friend, 
your future has yet to be written. Your destiny. What God wants for you is for you to be a child of his, a child of the king, to have a growing, vibrant relationship with God. And the way you do that is to embrace Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior.